4: this is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VCN.
5: Okay, just finishing the text message here. We should start. I know it's divisional round weekend, but the queen, Millie Lombardi's birthday yesterday, we oh, belatedly say happy birthday. You
4: can't take a day off on that event, Patrick. I mean, this is bigger I than, I said, mean, people from all, I, I mean, it's it. unbelievable. Mardi Gras doesn't I, hold I got a, a response.
5: So you so you you've got your work ahead of you. I know you hung out with the Bermans yesterday, but Michael Lombardi, as we say hi on a Lombardi line on a Thursday, we start off our week. I know you yesterday, but of course, got the playoffs this weekend. How are we feeling today?
4: We feel good. I mean, I think, you know, Femi and I just did the pod, and Femi kept talking about how it's a divisional, it's his favorite weekend. And I, and I agree, it's my favorite weekend, too. You know, it's uh, we the, the, we should get four great games. Um, who could complain about last weekend, actually? We got great games last weekend. But I think we should get four great games. And even though the point spread indicate that there could be a blowout here or there, uh, I think we'll get. I think we'll get the teams. If you go back and study the games that have been played prior, the Jacksonville, Kansas City, or the Giant, Philadelphia in the Meadowlands, I, I think there's elements within those games where you feel like you could win them, or you could you, that the other team could. So, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty good about the weekend. I can't wait for it. Yeah, no,
5: it always divisional weekend is always the best because you're going to get two and then two, and you're mostly going to have eight teams that you have a lot of respect for. If you take a look at the eight and we went back to September, there's two obviously that are in the party that we wouldn't have expected Jacksonville and New York. That's it. Right. I mean, you can, you could make a case for obviously Kansas city, Philly, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Dallas and San Francisco, but there's two and there's always two that crash the party and that's Jacksonville and the giants this year.
4: Yeah. And, and I mean, last year, when we looked at last year's landscape, right? I mean, we, you know, the, the the 49ers made it. They were the sixth seed. Now, they were a better sixth seed than I think the Giants are this year, but they made it. The Rams were a four seed, right? Yeah. The Bengals were a four seed. I mean, the AFC went right, right to order one, two, three, four. The NFC's kind of had that little hiccup because we both know the Bucks were not a good team, and we both know that Minnesota was for all their credit and deservingly so a, a fraudulent in the sense that when you're winning so many close games then there's an issue that you 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 it's t- it's great that you win them but it tells you that the level of distance between you and your opponent isn't as great as it should be
5: 100% we'll get to how those numbers open where they sit now it's a thursday here on the lombardi line so Of course, you're used to it. Will Hill, then Mike Samich, and Mike Palm with Palms Pressing 3. Let's start with some breaking news as we get underway here on a Thursday. Lombardi Line here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. The fluidity of the NFL, and just when you're hot, you have to take advantage and capitalize. Because remember last offseason, Byron Lefkowitz was wanted and hot in the streets when it came to a head coaching position. Now he's been fired as we open up the show as offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not a huge surprise, but it is official.
4: You know, I tell everybody, and I've said this on the podcast, I say it everywhere, is the NFL is about elections, not selections. And when you are electable and you don't run for the race, turns down the jacksonville job think about that now for all the accolades that doug peterson's getting for turning that franchise around they offered the job to byron leftwich he turned them down because because he didn't want to work with Trent Balkie. he wanted a different front office he wanted to bring in his own front office guy okay you have to understand when you have leverage and when you don't now he's out on the street will he get another offensive coordinator job this year I highly doubt it. If you just watch the tape of the way the Bucks' offense, we've said it all season. There was no detail. There was no execution. And it starts and ends with the guy calling the plays when he's in charge, when the head coach has kind of just said, okay, you run the offense, and the offense looks as bad as it did. That's a reflection on Leftwich.
5: I must say, I didn't realize that it was an official offer, but I think I remember you saying that. But So he was yeah. legitimately, he, he could have had the Jacksonville job if he, he wanted. He had
4: the job. He had the job, and and it came down to he wanted to bring in a personnel guy with him. He didn't like the setup, you know, and and a lot of people didn't like the Balky setup down there, but the Kahn family were committed to it, Uh, you know, and so, you know, Peterson took it because, A, gave him back in, he knew the quarterback, and Peterson isn't, One of those guys, I want total control over everything. I mean, he was realized that Balky's good at what he does. we got to figure out a way to work together, which is what Leftwood should have done too.
5: Got to capitalize. What I've learned from working with you for years is how political it is. I mean, I'm sure I knew the political nature of any vocation, but the NFL, I mean, think about it. You just said at the beginning of your conversation, he is not going to get an offensive coordinator job because that offense was dismal. And so he goes from having a head coaching position, one of thirty-two on the planet, to now. I mean, where do you go back to co- uh, manage a quarterback and then try to work your way back up to OC?
4: You try to get You try to get you try to get yourself somebody that will hire you as an offensive coordinator, or try to hire you as a as a uh, you know quarterback coach, and try to work your way through there. I mean, there's a, there's plenty of coordinator jobs open. The problem is his tape's not good. You know, the problem is his tape's not good. I mean, I think Mike LaFleur's going to get a coordinator job. I think Mike LaFleur will get one, even though his tape wasn't good, but Mike LaFleur had a rookie. Mike LaFleur had Mike White that says, I got good tape. Mike LaFleur had Zach Wilson, not a good player. I got bad tape. So he can make an argument. But there's a lot of guys who've gotten fired. Todd Dowling, you, you, how do you hire Todd Dowling as your offensive coordinator when you know that really all, he's got to have Henry to run the ball? How do you hire Leftwich when you watch this offense with, with the greatest quarterback of all time and you can't get any execution? Now, it's not all Leftwich's fault. The offensive line wasn't very good. But there was no adjustment. There was no, hey, here's where we are. Here's how we have to change it. There was none of that. And so he's going to pay a price for that.
5: If you're just joining us, Tampa Bay offensive coordinator or former offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich has been fired after four seasons. And to further your point, You know, what's interesting about him is he got that Jacksonville offer off of working with Brady, and now he's going to be hindered because he failed with Brady. You see my point? It's almost like Brady elevated him, and now you couldn't get it done with Tom Brady, and the offense started to uh, falter. So it's just like you said at the beginning of your conversation. Uh, It's like you have to take advantage of
4: the timing. And the timing of Bruce Arians' decision of of retiring, it put Todd Bowles... Whatever you think of Todd Bowles as a head coach, it's somewhat not fair to Todd Bowles that he inherited this staff, that he had to make go because there was no time for him to make any changes, and he lost his main guy, Mike Caldwell, to the Jacksonville Jaguars because Leftwich turned that job down. Now I think Caldwell was going with Leftwich anyway. So,
5: do you remember when the is head coaches in do the you end? You remember? Yeah. You can sing it. Take your time. Yeah. If, you're, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do your best, Earth, Wind, and Fire, I'm gonna listen. No, uh, yeah, I just saw them. The New Year's I know heat, you we did. saw them. Yeah. You can't. But pre- you can't use that as Millie's gift, by the way. That was like a couple of. No, weeks no, ago. No, no. That was. Uh, trust me, we know that. That's a. That's a fact. <laughs> just, just I know how that works. Um, remember when a coach getting five million was a big deal? Like I remember Steve Mariucci got five for twenty-five with the Lions, and not Steve Mariucci, his. 10 year with the Lions was one of the worst in the history of the NFL. Like he wasn't even interested in the job. But five for twenty five. So five, ten. What Sean Payton's being the, the number Sean Payton's being discussed, Michael, is twenty to twenty five million per. And so right. when we talked about Spanos, like there's a couple of guys that can manage this and will do it. And one's in
4: Carolina and Tepper. Yeah. So let's put things in perspective. Okay, so let's talk about how Brendan Staley kept his job. Let's start, that's the starting point. Okay. And it has and it relates to money. So Staley's on one of these really cheap contracts that were going around. like like Nathaniel Hackett's only at four million. Nathaniel Hackett, there was a lot of these guys that signed contracts because they became head coaches, but they weren't really paid the market value. It really infuriated some of these agents that represent coaches because they took below market deals. And I think Staley did that as well. So he's on four million a year, let's say. So the Spanos family fires him for four, two more years. That's eight million. If they want to hire a coach now, the market here for the new coach is somewhere between eight and nine million. That's kind of the new market right now. And why is that? Okay, because the value of these franchises go way up. The the the, the value of the cap goes way up. So the guy who's running everything, it, it, he's going to get a, It's going to be a raise. Now let's go to Sean Payton in that in that context. If David Tepper wants to give him complete control over his entire organization, which is probably worth 5 billion today, paying 20 million a year isn't a lot for a guy who's running everything.
5: Right, exactly.
4: It's exactly. a lot for us fans, but if we were in the corporate world on Wall Street, if somebody was in charge of a 5 billion dollar company, you know, what I read today in the Wall Street Journal, the the guy in who was running Disney 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 World and uh, got fired after three months? He was making one hundred thirteen thousand dollars a day. You're running a big company. You're making a lot of money. So to pay Sean or to pay Belichick or to pay somebody who's in charge of player personnel, who's in charge of the 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 offense, the defense, the everything that involves football, twenty to twenty five really isn't a lot. And Tepper, who comes from that business world, probably doesn't see it that way. Now. The, the the thing is he's gotta feel like I'm all in on this guy because if I give him if I give him eighty million for four or if I give him a hundred million for five or hundred and twenty five for for five for four, I gotta be in love with him.
5: As you said, Tepper's not gonna blink at that because he looks at it as an organizational thing, not just a head coach. The only question is to Sean Payton at his age, does he want to live in Carolina? Like that's really all it comes down to. If Sean Payton wants it, Tepper will give it to him. But if Sean like from what we understand here, and I have friends that cover the Chargers, he likes Los Angeles. So the jobs in Los Angeles aren't open. But does he want to go to Carolina? That would be the question for Sean Payton. Yeah.
4: And and, and what's what's the price? If you're Mickey Loomis and he's and and, and, and Tepper calls you up Good and point. he says, Well, I want a one, I'm not giving you this high one I got. Let me trade it down. I'll give you a one. Well, but let me trade it down. Let me pick up some assets.
5: The Jets have requested to interview a fascinating name. When we come back, we'll discuss. The Browns have a new defensive coordinator. The Titans have a new GM. The Cards have a new GM. All of that we'll look to next year. Next here at Lombardi Line.
3: Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows
0: and movies for free.
2: Martha Stewart, the original influencer.
0: When I think about anything, I think about the
5: way that she did it first. The media mogul.
2: The
4: six years ahead, she saw
2: what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max.
6: You're listening to The Lombardi Line
4: on VCN. Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Okay, VCN Pros. When you sign up, you get the pro tools. And by far the most popular pro tool are the betting splits. You can see where the money and bets are going for every game. Updated every 10 minutes directly from DraftKings. Today's games and future events, it's all there. The betting splits, part of the package. When you become a pro. vSyn.com slash subscribe. That's vCN.com slash subscribe. We're back. Here on the Lombardi line, he's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. We've got Will Hill. We've got Mike Somich, and we've got Mike Palm joining on a Thursday as we head into divisional round weekend. You know, it's like with Ben Johnson, let me just put it like, so Ben Johnson's a 36-year-old guy in high demand. When you say no to the current crop, and you're going to have four to seven jobs open every single year, you become more in demand. He goes back to Detroit. He gets a big raise to continue as the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, and then next year, he'll have his pick of the litter. That's one. When you're Nathaniel Hackett, and you just led historically an inept offense, where, by the way, Michael, he ran the offense with the right. Broncos, and you're getting a job interview with the Jets, that's a little different. Because you go into it like, hand, hat in hand, I'll take whatever I can get. Let's talk about uh, Hackett interviewing with the Jets.
4: Well, I mean, you know, look, Hackett, remember now, follow along the path here. As we talk about being political, and we talk about the NFL, so how does Hackett get involved in the Jets? Okay. Mike, La- Mike LaFleur and Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala are all best friends. Who worked for Matt LaFleur? Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett. So right. when when Matt LaFleur calls up Robert and says, you should hire Nathaniel, he's going to listen. He's not going to watch the tape. He's going to listen. He's going to trust his judgment. He's not going to ask, well, what happened? They're going to assume, they're going to say, well, it was overwhelming for him and Russell's not very good. And so, but if you put him in an OC job, he'll be fine, okay? And they've got to find an offensive coordinator. It's the same thing going on. I mean, I think, I'm told that Mike LaFleur has an offensive coordinator job. I don't know where, but I think he's going to get one. I think it's Tennessee, but I can't prove that. But, you know, and he's looking for line coaches, so... You know that's because the it's all relationship based. And it's not tape based. It's not selected. You know, and the hard thing is, is if you're Brendan Staley and you're trying to find a guy to run the offense who's got some experience, but he's not he's not free. You can't get him. Where are you going to find him? You can't hire Ben Johnson. He's already taken. They're under contract. So that's because you can't get Cliff Kingsbury. He's in Thailand. Maybe you want Billy O'Brien. I don't know. So it's a little bit challenging when you go that direction. And if you're Staley, you better be careful who you hire because he's going to want to guard his desk. Whoever he hires could end up being the next head coach.
5: (laughs) And by the way, Staley said that he was never concerned about his job. I wouldn't Uh, have been. Off-season decisions. He he fired Joe Lombardi. Wait. Did I get the name correct? Yeah, I believe I did. The OC. What's funny about Lombardi, and while you're talking about this with Mike LaFleur potentially getting another job, it's almost like these guys are failing upwards. Like, Lombardi was a terrible well, OC with the... Go ahead, please.
4: Well, well, I think what happens is because what you're hoping for, that what happened in Detroit, he learned from and grew. Sure. And you're saying that I need somebody that has experience calling plays. That's a hard thing to find. And... And finding a play caller isn't as easy as all that the Twitter thinks. I'm sure Will Hill thinks he could call plays tomorrow. You know, I don't think there's anything that he would doubt for a moment that he couldn't call plays tomorrow, even though he doesn't know one protection or one concept, but he could call plays, you know. So everybody thinks they're a play caller until you actually have to do it and you put yourself in it. And you've got to manage the game accordingly. So, you know, it's a hard thing to find. And so these guys – let me – I'm telling you, I, I'm laughing at the at the interviews in Washington. Who they're interviewing? Ken Sampisi? Has anybody watched this? How about how about how about Pat Shermer? Anybody watched? I mean, if you thought Denver's offense was bad this year, did you watch it last year? Like that's who they're interviewing. Why? Because they're trying to find experienced play callers.
5: So Shermer potentially to Washington. Washington's such an odd situation because they're in limbo with ownership.
4: You right, hate to go into he's he's, go he's got like a free pass. rivera nobody's he's got a free pass because nobody's really nobody's monitor nobody's mentioning he hasn't been the playoffs and hasn't had a winning record in five years. So what happens all the time is we we wrote about this for the Daily Coach this week. What happens is is you pick reliability over validity. So you, when you take the the Nathaniel Hackett's, or you take the Joe, you're taking a reliable something you know is reliable. He can call it, whereas no one searches for validity, which is to find somebody who has the talent to do it but hasn't done it. And you're scared of that because look what happened. To, you know, when you take that chance, you're really scared. Yep. Yep. What? What do you?
5: Well, let me ask you about the general managers. Something obviously you know a, a ton about and. These names, uh, the Titans hired 49er director of player personnel, Rand Carthon, and then the Cardinals hired a guy I'd never heard of, Monty Osenfort, as their new general manager. He comes
4: from the Titans. Well, Monty was with us in New England, so he's from the New England school. He started out in Houston with Charlie Casserly, kind of went through that system. But when I listened to him talk the other day, it was clearly all New England talk. It was about you know team building. It was about we're not selecting players. We're building a team, all that To me, if he has success there, it's going to be, who does he hire to partner with? That job is going to require a partnership, an alignment between him and the coach on philosophically, on what kind of players they want, how they're going to get that. To me, I would think Brian Flores would be the perfect match for him. They've requested permission because Brian understands what Monty's talking about. Some of the other guys may not. As for Tennessee, the owner there, Wanted somebody from the 49ers system. They wanted somebody because they have such good depth. Carthon, his main job is going to be can he fix the quarterback? Is he going to hang on to what I call the John Bovey mo- John Bo- John, Bo- John Bovi moment where he's going to, ha- you know, he's searching on a, you know, a living on a prayer on on Willis, right? Can he hang on that one? I, I don't know. But the interesting thing, Patrick, and I'll riddle you this, Batman, does he go after Trey Lance? Oh, really? <laughs> that is well, interesting. I mean,
5: is, was put, he? Did he have a? Did he have a hardcore connection to
4: him in San Francisco? Well, he's Meaning, involved with it, right? He didn't stand on the table and say we can't do it. I'm not saying he said we should do it, but he knows if Lance has got a chance to be better, he also knows what they think of Lance from Kyle. Remember, Kyle is the guy that matters. So, which you, you know, would you trade a first round pick for Lance if you what? thought he was going to be the next star? See, and the league's going to watch what Carthon does here. Because if he doesn't make a move for Lance and he needs a quarterback, that tells you all you need to know.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. The irony there is that the Titans had a guy that another organization coveted so highly sitting right there, and they're like, nah, we're Gucci, and he leaves. It's just it's weird how incestuous. Not
4: only that, Ryan Cowan, the guy who was named interim GM, didn't even get an interview. It's all political. It's all political. Like everybody says, you know, Lombardi, you're an idiot. You don't have a job. Okay, great. I am an idiot. I get that. But you got to be political to get them. You got to win the election. You got to carry the southern primaries in everything you do. And when you don't have a track record, when they can't blame you for something that you've had nothing that, that then you come in and the media can't get on you. You know, like Nathaniel Hackett, he had a bad track record in Denver, got fired in Jacksonville as the OC. Now there's a lot to get on. So that that becomes, I can't hire that guy because he's got a bad track record. See what I'm saying? So, And sometimes you pay a price for the mistakes of what happened in the situation you were in, and nobody really pays attention to the situation.
5: Now, you may not like this one. He's a very smart guy. And I love the hire for the Browns. Schwartz is a Georgetown guy. Schwartz came into Detroit as a head coach in an impossible spot and actually did a pretty good job for a couple of years and it kind of the wheels came off. What do you think about Schwartz with the Browns? I
4: think it's a great hire. I think it's a tremendous hire. And I, and I love Jim. And I'm a friend of Jim's and I love Jim. And so I say that because I think Jim is exactly what they need. He'll be demanding. He'll hold players accountable. He'll get the best out of Miles Garrett that he can. He'll help Stefanski become a better head coach. You know, I think it's a really good hire. Now, remember, in the book Moneyball, Paul Podesto is prominent in that book, and so is Schwartz. Schwartz and Michael Lewis formed a friendship, and so did he and Podesto together. So that, that kind of helps that. That's where that relationship came. Not that Schwartz is as analytical as the Browns are, but I think he'll build the right team around that. They'll be much better defensively. They won't make mistakes. They won't give up 17 points in the fourth quarter to Joe Flacco, who couldn't score six points against Miami at the end of the year.
5: I think Schwartz not getting looks as a head coach over the past couple of years is more interesting than the he's
4: paying that. a pro- Look, and Martin Mayhew got another GM job. Yes, he's in Washington. I mean, and, 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 and LaJuan probably will be a president of another... T- I mean, they could have had a worse front office than he had in Detroit.
5: No, 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 no. And, and by the way, the transition to Mayhew was from your boy Matt Millen, who's an awesome guy. Potentially Wonderful the worst guy. general manager of all time.
4: And didn't know what he, he. Matt will tell you the first. Matt'll be the first one to tell you. He didn't have an idea what it was. Good. He didn't really understand no. it. He didn't have that Jeff Saturday background.
5: He is a. He runs the Lakers. He's a media critic. If you follow him he on calls Twitter,
4: plays too. You watch the call calls plays. He'll call plays. He can do it all. Just,
5: Check him out on Twitter. He had a a podcast here for 10 minutes, and he's taking on Al Michaels on Twitter. That's (laughs) our boy, Wes Reynolds. (laughs) Not Wes Reynolds. Of course, next
6: is Will Hill. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on
4: VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Okay, it's been awesome over the last couple of weeks here on VSIN and the Lombardi line to welcome in all of the new radio listeners across the country. We say hi and for you, an introductory offer $9.99 right now. You get pro tools, pro picks, pro tips. You get everything we offer for $9.99. You can't beat it. Okay, so make sure you check it out slash subscribe. Be- become a part of the VSIN team, become a pro. slash subscribe. Okay, Michael Lombardi, you there? It is Thursday. That means our buddy Will Hill is joining. He's a media critic. He is running (laughs) the Lakers. A lot has to go right for your Lakers this year. I was watching a little bit. I think it was last night, actually. And uh, it's going to be a rough season. How
6: are we feeling, Will? I'm doing okay. I don't know why people still talk about the Lakers. The team is horrible. They talk about these two draft picks. You know, should they trade for Buddy Heald and Miles It's Like, it doesn't matter who you trade for. There's no trade that makes this team a contender. It's uh, it's kind of sad the direction it's gone in, but uh, it is what it is.
4: Well, I mean, you got to hold yourself accountable. I mean, you're the guy who put this team together. Yes. I mean, you got to take That's some responsibility. I mean, maybe you were too busy talking with Al over Toscanas to pay full attention to the <laughs> to the Lakers drama. I, I don't know.
6: As Al calmed down from the other end, he was very excited, man. He was. Uh, I wonder if he's gotten his voice back. Him and Dungey. Should we uh... take
5: a second? Should we take a second and we'll get into the betting? Should we take a second to discuss that? He got dragged. Now, he was in an unenviable position, Michael Lombardi. They put him next to Tony Dungey, And Tony Dungey, a God-fearing, wonderful human being, Tony Dungey is Tylenol PM, okay, to be fair. So it's not like Al was sitting next to a firecracker. Can we at least admit that, Michael Lombardi? Yeah, I, mean,
4: I think so. I mean, I think Al, I, but I think Al was you know it's one of those games that i think al felt like okay this is over and you know what 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 time can i get out of jacksonville tomorrow morning yes. you know and then all of a sudden it's it's hard to turn it back on you know it's hard to turn it back on Logistics. i had chargers
6: money line and I, and i have a feeling al had chargers money line too because he was not too enthused by that final kick he was open like hell that flag was against uh was against the uh, jaguars
5: <laughs> yeah he uh he wasn't necessarily fired up for the game.
4: Okay. Well, Tony, so- di- Tony didn't understand why there was so much heat on Staley. That's the one that got me. I don't understand why he's under so much scrutiny. Has anybody watched him? The- Tony, did you watch him coach all year? I mean, I, I know you were on that show with 17,000 other people up there on the stage, one guy smiling the entire time. But, I mean, like, did you watch him coach all year? Are you talking about the clapper? When- <laughs> uh, I mean, you know. When Jason uh, never Gale seen a turns guy- to the
5: camera i've never seen a guy is.
4: smile that much he's so happy he is, i wish i could be that happy all the happy.
5: time yeah he 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 always looks like he just got told an awesome joke from will hill okay <laughs> um here's the thing with dungy and i promise we're moving on you always have to take everything with a grain of salt because he's literally just such a kind human when he's talking about staley it's like are you being objective or are you just being yeah. God-fearing, yeah, the, because this nobody is insane. Wants to, it,
4: yeah, that. but that's with every, nobody wants to ruffle any feathers. You know, it's like the guy's not a good coach. I mean, just watch him.
5: Yeah, he's not. And Spanos was not going to pay like Michael laid out earlier. You can go to com and check out the shows. Okay, Will, uh, I've got your plays, but just as you look at the divisional weekend, I said Jacksonville and the Giants are the two that crashed the party. Would you agree?
6: Yeah, uh, and, and it, it gets dangerous. We go through this every year. T- people fall in love with the team they just saw win, and we forget they're going to play a team that has a bye, that's rested, they're better, they got more time to prep. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind going into this weekend. You can fall a little too much in love with some of these teams that won on wildcard weekend, and I do think we're seeing that a little bit, especially with the Giants.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, but I think you could make the strong look, I, the Eagles had to win that last game of the year. And the Giants' backups gave them some trouble. Now Hertz, you know, obviously he wasn't healthy and 100 percent, and Lane Johnson didn't play. Although I know they're not on the injury report, but how how can they play? I mean, for me, I kind of had this game handicapped where the, it was exactly where it is at 7.31. I just think this is going to be hard for the Giants to ever get control of the game, and they're going to need a lot of things to go right for them to win the game, uh, and and actually cover the seven and a half. I mean, the seven and a half. You know, just to me seems like, you know, it's going to be hard for them to stay attached. And if they get behind like they did the first game, it's going to be really hard.
5: Will, the first one is Jacksonville and Kansas City. I just saw a shop in Jersey go to nine. You know, mostly everybody is eight and a half on that one. Where'd we open? We opened eight and a half. So kind of sticking eight and a half, nine, sticking right around that number with Jacksonville and Kansas City.
6: Yeah, I think these books are going to get just buried with Kansas City teaser money, so they're going to probably jack it up to nine, nine and a half, try to protect themselves from a, a little bit. Everybody in the world is going to have a Chiefs-Eagles teaser on Saturday, basically where you have both teams just win by you know, a field goal or more. Uh, if you look at the first time these teams played, I lean Kansas City here. I didn't bet it. I just have the Je- uh, the Chiefs on a teaser. I would look towards it over. If you look, these teams played early November Uh, The Jags were 3-0 in turnover. So the Jags were plus three, and they recovered the opening kickoff. They onside and recovered. So they're plus four in possessions, and they still lost by 10 points. Uh, I know the Jags have improved since then, but I just don't think they're good enough against the pass. They really struggle covering tight ends. To me, Kansas City gets you know in the 30s here, 34, 37, something like that. I think Kansas City is going to be able to score and score at will. Uh, Andy Reid with extra time to prepare off a of bye here. Jags on short rest. To me, this is Chiefs. You always worry about a backdoor cover. Chiefs don't seem to have a habit of covering these big numbers. But, hey, if you're plus four in possessions and you still lose the game by 10, uh, that is something that's concerning. And... You know, I think Spagnolo is a, is a good asset here for Kansas City because he can throw some curveballs, some different looks at Lawrence. Uh, we saw Lawrence a little perplexed in that early uh, early stages of the Charger game. So I think the Chiefs win here. Do they win by 7? Do they win by 14? I'm not sure, but uh, I would look towards the Chiefs. I, I would lean towards the Chiefs, and I like the over here.
4: You know, I like the over too, but I think if you go back and watch that first game, there was a couple things that I, I, I watched that, that, to me, gives me the sense that Jacksonville has a chance. First of all, you're right. Uh, they were a disaster. But they got a lot of penalties on some situations that, that you know, typically put them behind the eight ball, especially blocking downfield, alignment downfield. I mean, they couldn't get a break in the game. I thought they played them exactly the way you have to play them. They got the onside kick. They controlled time of possession. They just didn't convert their downs in the game. And they weren't able to stop the big play. I mean, Scantling makes an incredible play. They're backed up. He makes an incredible play by the by the chief bench on a 38-yard pass, which I think is going to be hard to duplicate. To me, if the Jags cover, I think the Chiefs win, but if the Jags cover, it's going to be because Lawrence played an elite game. He did not play an elite game the last time. The first, the first second play of the game, he's got a receiver wide open and he doesn't hit him. Like he had a lot of chances in that game where he didn't play at an elite level like he did against Tennessee. It's going to require Lawrence to play his best. And I'm not saying they can win because Mahomes, even when he's not playing his best, is great. But I do think this line's a little long. I have it as a 4.47 game. I think it'll be a lot closer than people think.
5: Interesting. Boys, the biggest move of the weekend, Buffalo 3.5 up to 5.5. I'll just say that, Like, and Michael said it on Monday when we came back, Allen's weird right now. And yeah. again, it's moved up to five and a half. Allen's weird right now, Will. He's in a weird spot.
6: Allen's weird. The Bills are weird. It's funny. They've won eight in a row, but it doesn't feel like that. They don't impress you. So you, ha- you don't love what you see from Buffalo. But then you look at Cincinnati, and I think I've fallen into this trap because I look at this line. I haven't bet it yet. And you think, boy, that's too many points. These teams are not five and a half, six points apart. But I think we make the mistake that this is the Cincinnati team from last year's Super Bowl run. Like, it's not. You know, McPherson's missing kicks left and right. The defense is not as good. I think, you know, Awuzie hasn't played since Halloween. They miss him. And bad offensive lines, you always say it, Lombardi. Bad offensive lines do not travel. We saw all the pre-snap penalties Miami got last week. I think that'll be very difficult with this offensive line in Buffalo. Uh, you know, I, I started sort of uh, started from scratch this morning, just went through all these teams, all their games since he's defense hasn't really been tested. When you look at the quarterbacks they play, it's, you know, Matt Jones and their broken pats offense. It's PJ Walker, Bridgewater, Pickett, Huntley, Brown. Like, look, Tyler Huntley and a bunch of backups, moved the ball up and down the field last week. Again, I don't want to lay the points. I, I would lean towards taking it with Cincy, but there's a lot that's keeping me off from from taking the points here with Cincy, too.
4: I think what keeps me off Cincy is they're just not as good as they were last year defensively. I think the corner being out hurts them. They don't rush the passer to the level they need to. Uh, but, you know, I do think if you watch the Miami's offensive line, they're playing Lester Cotton at left guard. They're playing Greg Little at left tackle. You can't get any worse than those two guys in there. And they were able to block Buffalo half-decent where, you know, I mean, I know they went up there and threw it 45 times, but they had a chance to make a lot of plays in the game. I'm with you. I think the overs in play, I think five and a half is way too. I think it's an overreaction to Buffalo. Look, look. I I don't think Cincy can win the game, but I would say this. To me, Cincy right now, you know, the way they set up is – they're not as good as they were last year, but Buffalo wasn't as good as they were last year, especially if Josh Allen yep. doesn't run the ball. If Josh Allen doesn't run it, then I think I think since he has a chance to not only cover, but win.
5: Will, give me 30 seconds on Dallas-San Francisco. Three and a half, four right now. Give me 30 seconds on that.
6: Just a brutal spot here for Dallas. Four straight road games, uh, two extra days of, press, uh, of rep of rest here for uh the 49ers and you look at the 49ers though I think Dallas will move the ball San Francisco if you look at some of the quarterbacks they face similar to Cincy it's it's a lot of Colt McCoy and Blau and some of these backups so I do think Dallas moves the ball I like the over in this game
5: I agree I think Dallas moves I think there's 46 and a half I think that's in danger of going over there Will Hill must have been in the pre-show meetings Thanks, because he ta- he talked about the Bengals' concerns. Well, Michael Lombardi wrote about hey, the Bengals not being the same team as last year. We're going to get to that next with a wild card review, and we look ahead to the divisional round. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it, Lombardi line.
3: Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
5: As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds,
0: it was shocking.
2: I have to know what were they thinking?
4: Lombardi Line on V Sin featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Okay, attention, BetMGM customers. If you have a friend or an enemy, doesn't matter, who loves sports as much as you do, here's a chance for both of you to earn $50 in bonuses when you sign up through the BetMGM Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account right now. Click on the refer a friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account. It's very simple. Once they do register you're going to get 50 bucks they're going to get 50 bucks in credits it's a great deal Bet mgm just handing you cash 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue 21 years or older uh, i heard it during the break let's remind remember gm shuffle awesome podcast michael lombardi and femi you can find it at vsun.com or wherever you download your podcast what tease us what were what were you going off on today on the gm shuffle
4: Oh, we were discussing the, you know, we talked about the the, the unfortunate situation with Byron Lefwich where, you know, he turned down that job and, you know, and now yep. he's out of work and I feel badly for him and, you know, that whoever Staley hires has got a chance to, you know, if Staley doesn't get off to a good start next year, I even though I think he feels like his job is safe, we'll see what happens and so we discussed those things and, you know, we broke down all the games and we broke down the what what is the Eagles secondary? We talk about we have this segment where we go in the film room and you know, a lot of people think the Eagles first of all, the hardest thing for the commentators to do is to understand coverages in the NFL. They don't. And so, you know, people think that Bradbury's a cover corner or Slay's an elite press corner when they're really not. I mean, sixty of the Eagles, sixty nine sacks this year have come from their defensive line. Sixty of the sixty nine. Okay, wow. So what the Eagles do is the Eagles win the game. Basically, as I explained this on the pod, the Eagles win because they make the offense. They, they, you only count the three Mississippi when you play them. If you count the five Mississippi against the Eagles secondary, you'll, you'll throw the ball on them. But when that Eagle front is dominating the game, with their rotation now they have Sue and Joseph and they rotate those guys through and they're fresh with Sweat and Riddick and, and all and Fletcher Cox and 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 Hargrave inside it's a problem and so their coverages are not good enough they're not good enough in the back end but you got to block them and that's a hard thing so they're not getting
5: Super exotic, and when I think of cornerback splitsing, I think of the Ryan system, right? Immediately, but you're telling us they're just getting they're getting it done with the guys up front.
4: That that they that's how they want to play it. They want to rush for, they want to play zone behind it. They don't want to. They know they can't play man to man. They know they can't engage. They, they're not going to win a game playing man to man on a consistent basis. You know, and so you know, I think where where the the Giants are is they're in that you know. The Malone, what I call the Malone position. Remember the scene in the Untouchables. What are you prepared to do? You know when yeah, Sean yeah. Connery asked Kevin Costa, "What are you prepared to do?" Well, that that's where the Giants are. What are you prepared to do to go after them? And I think what the Giants have to do in the game is they've got to go to a six-back attack. They've got to try to do different things with their offense structure because there were moments where they could move. They moved the ball on Philly. There's no doubt they ran the ball in the first game. They ran it in the second game. They can run the ball on Philly. Now they just can't get behind in the game because when they get behind, they can't stay. They can't block them on a consistent basis and you know and protect. So they have to be prepared to play a kind of a different game. And I think that different game involves Daniel Jones in the run game. Run him a little bit. Get make them have to defend him like you got to defend Jalen Hurts. First play of the game, I promise you, the first play of this game will be the, the Eagles. The Eagles coaches will want to make sure the Giants know Hurts is healthy. So they'll either make him throw a deep throw or he'll run the ball. They're going to try to show you, you better defend this guy in the run game today because he's healthy.
5: GM Shuffle, in depth breakdown. Go to vsyn.com or wherever you get your podcast. You just mentioned the name, so may I follow up Daniel Jones? Does Brian Dayball in Kafka, the offensive coordinator, obviously they're posturing because they're going to have to pay him, but do they hate Daniel Jones? Because you've seen the quotes, right? When pressed no, I, from the New York media, they're like, he's fine. He's good. It was fine. Well, because I
4: think, you know, look, the, the, the problem is we have this, people don't understand what is the system and what is the player. Like, the right. quarterback position in San Francisco is made – Femi and I had this debate because Femi's a Trey Lance guy. I said, Femi, how can you justify what Purdy's done and Lance hasn't done it? He said, well, the book's still open. You know, and I'm like, yeah, Femi, the book's still what, – what book? I mean, Purdy has – played the quarterback position in San Francisco, because of their coach, it's the easiest position. They, they make the position very easy for you. And now Purdy is – I'm not dismissing what he's done. He's thrown accurate passes. He's been really good. He reads. He processes. All those things. Like, they can't make Nick Mullen that good, but they can make guys that have that ability. And what the Giants have done is they've made Daniel Jones a good player in the system. You know, he doesn't stir the drink. He's part of the whole operation. And so, to me, the question then becomes, do you pay him $40 million a year like, like – because he beat Minnesota, or do you go to him and say, look, Daniel, you're a good player, and you deserve to get paid at a, at a really good rate, but we can't pay you like Kyler Murray. We can't pay you like Pat Mahomes. You're not those guys. You're not that. you got to give us money back so we can help you become even better. And I think Daniel Jones is smart enough to do that. Now, he's got CAA. I don't know if they're smart enough to take it, but who else is going to want to pay him $50 million, $45 million? Because if you pay Daniel Jones $45 million, can he carry your franchise? Now, if he plays really well today and makes some unbelievable throws that are not scheme-related, then maybe he deserves it. But I don't know if that's going to happen.
5: Okay, but I would say this. If the Giants organization said to the representation of Daniel Jones, he's not Kyler Murray, we're going to
4: fight. Because yeah, Kyler well, Murray I thinks. mean, then that's going to be the contract. But remember, they thought they didn't pick up his option. That's what they they didn't pick up his fifth year. Correct.
5: Right. No, this was an audition. No, I, you're 100% so, right. and
4: he's done a great job. But they've done a great job. Mike Kafka, Brian Flo- Brian Dayball, they've done a great job of yes. of maxing uh, maximizing his skill set. What they've done is they said, okay, Daniel Jones is smart. He's he's got he can process. He can read it. We'll make a, he can run, and he's got some he's speed. Athletic. So. And he's athletic, so let's 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 develop something around those traits. Unlike the guy who was before there, smiling, who did none of the above.
5: Yeah, what Kafka and Dayball have done make they have destroyed
4: boy, the the smilers they, career. They,
5: I mean, and and also Joe Judge, not being like no it's
4: doubt, just, no it's doubt.
5: Not a, it's not a great look to maximize the player like this. And I agree with you. What they're getting out of him is beyond what many could get. Like he's.
4: When you watch well, but again, almost... temper it now. Temper it. I mean, Minnesota's defense is is one of the worst in football. It's Fair. one of the worst in football. Okay, so like we've got to be, you know, and and he has played well. But when you go through his year, so he throws for two eighty nine against against uh, Minnesota. He threw for three nineteen the first time against Minnesota, but you got it, it. You there's a lot of hundred eighty two yard passing days in this in the season for him, right? I mean, there's a lot of 156-yard passing days. That was the opener. You know, like, there, it, he's had Minnesota. He's had Detroit. Those are the games that he's really played above, and those are not great defenses.
5: Ockinson on that drag route. I mean, Minnesota, O'Connell's got some th- He's got to figure some things out because, like, that's secondary. And what they
4: were – their coverage was – They don't, they it don't have any – they can't – they, you know what happens to you patrick is as a, as a coach you get into the situation where you don't you can't you can't you can't adapt your system the players you say well they're just not good enough I mean if they would have played zero coverage and blitzed every play, they wouldn't have been able to cover on the back end they tried to play a slow death and and they did play a slow death like they should have adjusted because they didn't have a way to they had no answer the the, the Giants really never really got stopped in that game because it was too easy for them. It was they knew exactly what was gonna happen.
5: You can go to vison Two days ago, Michael dropped his wild card review and then looked ahead to the divisional round. He invokes Simon and Garfunkel. I'll leave that for you to discover. But he said this about Cincinnati is not the same team as last year on both sides of the ball. Their offensive line and lack of running game are going to cost them. Their lack of being able to pressure the passer isn't the same. They miss you could say the name, I'm always bad with it badly. Cheaty. I just call him Cheaty. <laughs> I do, too. I always do that as well. I I Uzie, was, yeah.
4: But he but they do miss his ability. That's a haunt, yeah. like, without a doubt. They miss his coverage skills. Now, look, let's say this. Buffalo's not the same team either, right? Because Buffalo's skill players are not to the level we think they are. They need Isaiah McKenzie on the field. Look, if Buffalo was as talented as people think they are in the skill area, and we hear that rhetoric all the time. They would have signed John Brown at 32 years old. They would have brought Cole, Cole Beasley back at 33 years old. Like they're telling you with their moves, they don't like their receivers. But they're trapped. That's why they were after that's why they were after Odell. They were trying to solve a problem, but Odell wasn't ready to solve a problem.
5: Odell. Odell can't figure out how to get on and off an airplane. I don't want him running routes for me. Um, but the one thing, in in the same article, you do discuss, and what's interesting about this Bengals Bills matchup is like you can have the same conversation about the Bills from last year to this year. It looks no like doubt. completely no. disorganized. It's it's a disorganized team all of a sudden. And they're
4: not as good, as, and no, and and they're overrated on defense. They are well overrated Agreed. on defense. No doubt, no way, no doubt is next with Michael Lombardi.